Hello, I'm Dee Brown, CEO, and welcome to this episode of HBCU. Joining me on the panel today, I have Joshua Gunn, who graduated from North Carolina A&T. Joshua currently serves as the president and CEO of the Peoria Chamber of Commerce. I also have Reginald Thompson. Reginald graduated from Prairie View A&M University, and he currently serves as the chief operating officer for Insurica, the Evans Agency. Gentlemen, welcome to HBCU. Good I'm glad to, to have you, you on the show. Good to see you. So I, I want to start the show by really going back in time to understand how did you select Joshua North Carolina A&T as your HBCU? Best decision I ever made, first of all. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, so I went to a high school D that was probably 60% white, 40% black, um, but certainly dominated by uh, white culture, white influence, and white wealth, right? Uh -huh. And so uh, also for me, it was important to uh, ground myself in my blackness, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a high yellow brother, right? <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it was, at, as, as a child, I wasn't quite sure where I fit in in terms uh -huh. of the, the spectrum of blackness, right? And I went to visit A&T for their uh, freshman orientation week with uh, my two best friends from high school, and instantly knew this is where I needed to be. I never, I've never been in an environment, D, that affirmed my blackness immediately, yeah. right? I didn't have to just be, I didn't have to try too hard, you know? I didn't have to be uh, one end of the spectrum or another. You know, so often growing up, we see blackness as either really negative, right, when, in media depictions, yeah. or like super positive, Bill Cosby, or criminals, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, for those of us who are neither of those, it can sometimes be difficult to find your place in that, that, that um, paradigm. So A&T instantly just affirmed me, man. I felt like such a, I felt home. And yeah. so for me, it was a clear decision that I wanted to be in a place that could incubate that blackness. Right, so Reggie, what about you? How did you end up at Prairie View? Well, look, my decision was pretty easy. So I'm an HBCU product. My parents actually met on the campus of Jackson State University. So. Most of my family went to Jackson State. My parents met there in 1967, and the rest is history. But I had really good male examples in my family, so I just kind of did what my big brother did. Uh, my big brother went to uh, um, Prairie View in 1987, studied mechanical engineering, was doing well in life. So I had a, an example and role model to follow. So I decided to go to Prairie View uh, after turning down a uh, two or three baseball scholarships, and I accepted an academic scholarship to Prairie View to study mechanical engineering. So for me, it was just kind of in the blood. I had seen, you know, HBCU pride my whole life. Uh, it, it wasn't a choice for me. So going to Prairie View and, and experiencing that as a kid coming out of elementary school and junior high, it was a natural fit for me to go ahead and, and follow my big brother to Prairie View. Well, Joshua, I want to pivot back to you. Uh, do you recall the first day that you set foot on A&T campus? I recall everything about it. <laughs> Tell me about and it. And I'll never forget it, right? Yeah. So I'm at this freshman orientation, right? And, you know, before going to college, I had this image of what college would be, right? Yeah. You know, your teachers and everyone tells you it's going to be serious. You got to focus on your academics. Yeah. You know, and none of that sounded particularly attractive to me. Dude. Right. I, you know, I'm an artist and a creative, and I was kind of just going to college to, to pass the time, right? Yeah. Needed to do something positive. Mom and dad said, get out the house, so you better go to school. 
But the moment you walk on campus, I mean, I can even tell you the smells, D, mm-hmm. right? You smell, uh, you know, food frying, right? Yeah. You hear the band playing. You see the most beautiful people you've ever seen in your life yeah. having fun. You see the Greeks step in and you see the, uh, you know, the dance team moving around. There's a DJ in front of the bookstore. It's like the complete opposite of what I thought college could be like. Right. Um, and I think it really, they curate this excellent experience, right? And so uh, I can, I remember the smell, the feeling, the people I met. Yeah. I remember meeting this brother who was an academic advisor. He happened to be a Kappa, so shout out to y'all. Yeah. Uh, he didn't convince <laughs> me to be one, but all, all good. Um, and I remember thinking he was so cool, man. He had a nice car, younger brother, and uh, he was doing something positive with his life, which I desperately needed to be around yeah. black folks in that academic space. And um, yeah, it, it was transformative for me. Richard, what about you? Do you recall the first day that you set foot on the campus of Prairie View A&M University? So for me, it was it was a lot different. My first time stepping on the campus, I was 11 years old. So I remember my brother going to a visit to Prairie View when I was 11. And from the time I was 11 years old, it actually established some things in me for that university in particular, because it was a beautiful campus. Uh, Prairie View's about 35 miles northwest of Houston. And although you're that close to Houston, it's this nice, serene uh, uh, campus that's not in the city. So it established that. So I remember going there when he was still in school and I'm the little brother just tagging along and I'm 11, 12 years old and everybody's treating me with respect and they, they treat me like I'm their little brother. Yeah. So when I finally came on campus as a 17 year old, I turned 18 years old on, on Purview's campus that first summer. It was already ingrained in me that 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 was a part of who I was. And I met some of my best friends the day one on campus. So I, re- I remember it all coming into the orientation for uh, a summer engineering program we call ESCI. And I'm seeing, you know, 150 other people that look like me that are here for the same thing. So I remember it all. Right. And so, Joshua, I know that uh, North Carolina A&T has a legendary homecoming. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the homecomings there. You know what, man? Uh, you know, the the homecoming is called Greatest Homecoming on Earth, right? Jiho. Yeah. Hashtag Jiho. <laughs> and uh, it really is, right? It, it is, you know, it's one of those things. I remember the flyer my freshman year. Like, how good can a homecoming be? Right. right? But I want you to imagine the 250,000 people, of your 250,000 of your closest friends. Right. Right. Spread out on this one campus uh, for a full weekend, just celebrating black excellence. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, we, we often like to say it is some of the most successful and prominent black folks in the country on our worst behavior. Right. So <laughs> right. we are celebrating uh, unadulterated uh you know, uninhibited and having the time of our lives. And it really is a big family vibe. You know, I've had this discussion with folks uh, out here, in fact, here in Illinois, uh, who said that sometime before they went to A&T's homecoming, they weren't quite sure what to do with their blackness. Right? They were black. They were existing in a corporate structure or existing in a a white dominated world. But 30 seconds on A&T's campus at homecoming, even if you didn't go there, most of the people that come didn't go there. Right. Uh, You're going to feel at home. You're going to feel welcome. And most importantly, you're going to feel proud of who you are. Wow. So what about at Prairie View, uh, Reginald? I know that you all have a big homecoming festivities there as well. What was that like? Look, I, I got to argue that greatest homecoming <laughs> on earth. Now, I know every HBCU, you know, first has this first, love, huh? but we do pretty good. Uh, but I, I tell you, man, View, man. Our, our story is different. I mean, every, anyone that knows Prairie View said we struggled in football for years. We, we hold a NCAA record for 0-77. So how do you celebrate yourselves when you're losing every year? So we developed 
our own internal pride over the years. And now, man, it, it's such a festivity when you come to a campus. You know, we get 50, 60,000 people coming out of Houston and it's a big barbecue and, and celebration and concerts and the tents and the RVs. So, man, it, it's it's a it's a, a show of family love. It's, it's like going to a big family reunion yeah. when you go to an HBCU uh, homecoming. And ours is, is one of the best. So so we, you may have to do a tour of, of uh, HBCU uh uh, homecomings and see who who gets the vote. Right. <laughs> hey, 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 Reggie, I um I had the privilege of performing one year at Prayer View's homecoming, and uh, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a great time, and uh, you know I've, I've did that tour, and there's a lot of great homecomings. You know I'm I'm biased or partial to A and T, but the the family aspect, man, is absolutely true. That year we got rained out. Our performance got rained out. And your Prairie View alum welcomed us in a nice suite, took good care of us while the rain was passing. Uh, and we got to know them really well. So the HBCU family uh, is much bigger than just individual campuses, for sure. So Joshua, sure. what was just in general campus life? What was it like living on the yard of A&T? Uh, again, man, I, I don't want to make it sound like paradise, but it was. Bro. <laughs> like you have uh, you know, all, all everything that you possibly could want. You walk out of your dorm on your way to class in the morning. Again, there's a DJ playing your favorite song. Uh, you know, people are hanging out in between classes. You find uh, the student union is a great place to go either to study or, you know, meet girls, which was a big part of my college experience, <laughs> yeah. too. Um, but also you find like these automatic mentors. You yeah. know, I think that's one of the key pieces about HBCU life is it is a family, as Reggie alluded right. to, man. And I have so many professors that were on campus keeping me tight. Right. They might see me hanging in the union and know I should have been in class. Right. And might come over and put their arm on me and say, brother, did you come here just to party or right. are you here to do something with your life? Right. And I think that's rare. You don't get that at a huge school. You I certainly agree. won't get that at a PWI. And I think that's part of the value. So, Reggie, what about you, man? How was life on the yard at Prairie View A&M? Well, look, man, it was fantastic. The, you know, first couple of years I lived on campus before I moved off. You know, I, I remember, you know, meeting all my friends at lunchtime uh, around the student union and doing our thing, uh, congregating. Uh, after hours, it, it would be great because we had, uh, you know, young ladies that would take care of us. They had the hot hot plates in their rooms and they would hand out, you know, food to, to make sure the guys were, were fed. And and I remember going to parties in cornfields because we were in the country. So, you know, campus life was awesome. And again, it, it's just a family atmosphere and some of the best people that I've ever met that continue to be friends today. Do you recall any... Um professors or staff members uh, that mentored you? Were there, are there any individuals that stand out to you? So a couple of them. Uh, man, my, my Black Studies history, Dr. Obadelli, actually uh, was in Jackson, Mississippi when the riots came in 1971 uh, or 1970. It actually kept my mom from graduating. So he was a big influence on me. And then I played sports in college. So my, my, my college coach was a big influence on you know, my will to succeed even in the hardest of times. Coach John Tankersley. So he's now deceased. But, man, we, we all had uh, uh, input and models of people that really invested in who we were and really cared about who we were. Right. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that's the, one of the most important pieces, right? Yeah. I, I had um, 
I'll tell a story. So I'm in a, I'm, in, I'm an alpha, right? Okay. So shout out to the two Kappas on the screen. <laughs> um, and you know, in, in college you pledge, right? And I pledged my sophomore year. I was only 19 years old. And uh, I, I threw myself deeply into pledging, right? You wow. know, and, and, and maybe for a moment forgot about the reason why I was actually on campus. And I remember I, I, I crossed, we probated, we're celebrating, you know, we're all proud of our letters. And uh, I hadn't been to class, uh, D, this particular class, English class, in six weeks maybe, right? And I, but I wanted to wear my letters, so I was going to all my classes now, yeah. right? And I walk into the class, and I'm feeling like the man, and immediately this professor, uh, Dr. Brown, pulls me out and uh, pulls me in the hallway and, and, and basically says to me, he says, you two have two options right now, right? You can be the big man on campus, you can be Greek, and you can fail in the rest of your life, or you can refocus your energy and you can become who you, who you were sent here to be and who your parents expected you to be. And that was just one of many moments uh, in my life, not to make myself sound like a knucklehead, but there were many times at A&T where I got off track, right? Where I wasn't on pace to graduate or quite frankly, wasn't on pace to do all of the, the things that I've been able to accomplish since then. And several professors pulled me to the side and said, hey brother, I see something in you. You know, uh, I believe in you. And for me, that meant everything. Yeah. And so they held me accountable, and, and, and I'm here today, and right. got, got more than just my letters, I got my degree. So tell me about Greek life on the campus of uh, A&T. Yeah, when I was at A&T, we used to call A&T Athens because we had so many Greeks on campus, right? We had all of the Divine Nine, uh, we had Groove Phi Groove, Swing Phi Swing, Phi Mu Alpha, uh, Pershing Rifles, any sort of organization that you can think of was on the campus at the time. And we were highly competitive, competitive in terms of scholarship, uh, competitive in terms of step shows, for sure. Step shows to us were very serious, yeah, right? And yeah. you know, uh, and look, in retrospect, I kind of trip about how serious we took it. <laughs> um, but it was just amazing, man. Some of the best friends that I still have to this day are my frat brothers and also in other Greek organizations, right? Yeah. We were competitive, but we had camaraderie uh, across the lines. a t has a huge area where the plots are for all the Greeks, and it, it's really yeah. the center of campus, right. uh, even to this day. And it's just, um, just a family atmosphere. I think Brother Reggie said it best. It's uh, unlike anything else that you can get at any other institution. Uh, you're going to get it at even the smallest HBCUs, right? right. Uh, a t being the largest, it certainly has more uh, quantity of folks, but I think the quality is across the spectrum at all HBCUs. Right, I agree with you. Hey Reggie, so uh, you're a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, and so talk to me about really Greek life at Prairie View, and then also uh, just what being a member uh, means to you. Well, I tell you, you know, I crossed after uh, you know my time at Prairie View, but we had Greeks and non-Greeks that showed a lot of love, man. Uh, you know, for their own fraternities, for other fraternities, and showed a lot of respect uh, because if you were there, you, you you understood what that meant as far as the camaraderie of fraternity or sorority life. So our, uh, you know, history with the, the Greeks and the sororities uh, on our campus is deep. Uh, they, they all partnered together when there was something important to do. You got your internal rivalries, but when we got something real to do, we're all the same. We're all trying to accomplish some of the same goals. So that is the, the, the mark of uh, black group life, black, black group membership. It's not just a college thing, it's a lifelong thing. So it, it looks different than what it does at the PWI. And for people that you know, don't come from where we come over the course of our lives and the importance that it is and how we develop as young men and women. And then over time, it's attachment to what it is in our world all the way through death. Yeah. So, uh, Joshua, kind of give me just a brief overview of your journey from, you know, after college. I know you've had a, mm -hmm. a number of different careers 
and now you are the president and CEO of the Peoria Chamber of Commerce. Kind of walk me through that journey to sure, where you man. are. Um, I'm going to start just before college, if that's okay. So, Absolutely. Uh, I spent most of my life in the music industry. D. So I started making music at seven years old, signed my first record deal at 13. So spent all of my high school years you know, pursuing music. Uh, shout out to my parents for making sure that I, d I finished high school. There was a time in my life where I just wanted to do music all the time. Had no, didn't care enough about academics to continue. Um, but finished high school, uh, lost my record deal right before high school was over. Sort of confused about what was next and fortunately uh, had a decent enough grades to get into college. So I continued to do music while I was at school. That's how I really built my reputation. Everyone knew me for the guy rapping on the yard, winning freestyle battles, uh, and it ended up meeting my business partner, Rashad, uh, who's also my frat brother when I was mm -hmm. 19, and we started our own record company uh, while we were in college, right, with very little money. Uh, went on with that company to produce three critically acclaimed albums, to tour the world, two world tours, 16 international countries, had a chance to live in the places I wanted to live, experience all these amazing things, uh, and graduate from North Carolina a and uh, It took me a little longer to graduate, six years to graduate on a four-year degree, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I got a wealth of experience and was able to pursue my passion yeah. while doing my academic thing. Um, I left uh, I moved back to my hometown of North Carolina in 2012 in Durham uh, and developed the passion D for equitable economic development. Being able to see the world through music, uh, I saw communities that were doing really well in terms of uh, equi equity, specifically for black folks and participating in the economy, uh, and I saw communities that weren't. And I wanted to lean in and use whatever influence and leverage I had through my creative career to improve communities, right? You know, uh, I want to do macro level work, and the chamber gives me the opportunity to do that. So, been in the chamber space six years, and I'm proud to be in the CEO position now. Absolutely. Uh, Reggie, I know that you are, your undergraduate degree is in uh, engineering, correct? And Correct. I think that, uh, but you've made a uh, change in direction and you now serve as the Chief Operating Officer uh, for Insurica, the Evans Agency. Uh, tell me about the work that you're doing in the uh, insurance and financial service industry. So about five years ago, so, so I'll kind of go back and, and I'll bring it up to, to forward. So yeah, my degree is mechanical engineering from Prairie View. Uh, when I came out, I worked for Fortune 100 company in aerospace. I left there, worked at another Fortune 200 company in power distribution before I went back to grad school. Uh, when I got back to Mississippi in 2004, you know, it, it's interesting. You talk about equitable uh, areas. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi is predominantly black. And we have those same challenges as everybody else does with uh, economic development in our, in our communities. So long story short, I'm a certified financial planner. I started my own financial planning firm in 2011. And then I met my business partner in 2016 and kind of started shifting gears. So we started a black owned commercial insurance agency in 2017 because we saw a void in the market. We saw a lack of representation uh, of black entities, public and non-public entities that look like us, uh, but they were being, you know, overcharged and underserviced. So we jumped in and and found a niche working with uh, municipal uh, and, and public entities that have leadership that look like us and making sure that they are educated on uh, areas of risk management and insurance that affect them, their business and how they provide services to people. Uh, so we have been uh, uh, extremely blessed to pull in some very large uh, public entity clients on the city level, county level, school districts, public transportation. And then we kind of use that platform to work with our black business owners to help them develop a business that can perpetuate to the next generation. And uh, it, it's been 
a hard road, but but very fulfilling. Absolutely. So, Joshua, talk to me about how North Carolina A&T prepared you for where you are today. You know, I think about that question a lot, actually. Um, you know, it prepared me in a number of ways. The first and probably the most foundational way, though, D, is that self-confidence that I talked about needing, right? Mm -hmm. And not that I wasn't confident when I got to school. I was already, uh, you know, at least I thought, I was already a big rapper, right? You yeah. know, I'd already seen the world a little bit. I released music, had some notoriety uh, by the time I got to college. Um, but what I wasn't so sure about is who I was be behind the mask, right? The full uh, version of myself and, and grounded in my blackness, right? And so uh, that self-confidence, in fact, I gave a speech uh, a couple weeks ago to some college students and they asked me, what do I think the most important thing that I, they can take away from college is? And I said, find your confidence. Because if you can find confidence in who you are, you can learn just about anything. You know yeah. that, right? You know that you've had a, right. a successful trajectory in many disciplines. Now you're hosting a TV show, right? right. And you, you're doing it well, doing it at a high level because of that confidence. Right. a gave me that. a also gave me uh, the ability to navigate uh, un situations that are less than ideal, right? Yeah. HBCUs carry some challenges in terms of, you know, we always joke about the long line at the financial aid office right. or, you know, many times waking up and my classes were dropped and I am yeah. not enrolled. I got to go to the registrar and figure out what happened. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how life is, right? right. Life doesn't right. always go as planned. Right. Uh, so that experience at A&T also taught me how to navigate and do that with a cool head. I had right? a previous guest that told me that waiting in those lines taught them how to be patient. Patience, it's, that's it right. taught them patience. And also how to talk to people, right? right? You might be furious, <laughs> right? but, but you, if, if you want to get things done, you're not going to be able you don't, to. <laughs> right. You got to be careful. And, 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 and as a CEO, uh, daily there are challenges and fires that I have to put out. And I don't panic, right? I'm able to sort of assess the situation logically uh, and, and come up with the best solution. And also, even if someone's made me mad or, or done something that I disagree with, do things with a level head because ultimately I want to get the best outcome. Right, uh, right. And me that as well. Hey, so Reggie, what about for you? How did Prairie View uh, prepare you to be a successful entrepreneur? I, I tell you one of the things, it, it gave me a sense of responsibility in history. When you look at the history of HBCUs, Prairie View was founded in 1876 at the Alta Vista Plantation, uh, and it was meant to get uh, 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 black uh, former slaves the skill sets to be in the workforce. But when you're on the shoulders of that and you start looking at the history of how HBCUs were formed and how they were formed, you got to have a sense of nostalgia, uh, a respect for those that came before you. And when you look at what they did to get where they were, to put you in a position to get an education, to go work for a Fortune 100 or Fortune 200 company, there's a sense of responsibility that comes with being an HBCU alum and paying it forward so that others have a better opportunity than what we have. So oh, that's man. one of the big things I took away from being at HBCU is a sense of responsibility. Right. Yeah. So uh, Joshua, to kind of start winding the show down, uh, viewers watching, maybe considering sending a kid to college, uh, give them a reason or reasons why they should consider North Carolina A&T. You know, uh, I think, I want you to consider North Carolina A&T, but if I can just answer about HBCUs in general, right? Yep. I, I, and I stand on this. I genuinely believe for any black child H, sending your kid to an HBCU for undergrad is the best decision you can possibly make. You can get the academics anywhere, right? And so often, and I was this way too, bro, I, I was raised to think that um, PWIs were better, right? You know, Harvard, Yale, 
uh, even in North Carolina, UNC, Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you went to those schools, there was some sort of prestige associated with it. And if you went to an HBCU, unless uh, you had family members that went there and it was sort of in your family to the outside world, you were at a lesser institution, right? And right. that could not be farther from the truth. The academics are on par at any HBCU that you choose. The academics are gonna be strong, but what's, what's even better is they're going to be grounded in your culture, right? Yeah. They're gonna be culturally responsive to you as a black person. And then the social development and the experiences that you get outside the classroom, I think are even more valuable because uh, you, know, you can learn to be an engineer or to be a scientist uh, at any school, right? And you're going to get a high quality education at Prairie View or A&T or Tuskegee Mm -hmm. to become an engineer or a scientist. But those other skills that you can obtain, you can't get those at a PWI. I agree with you. And so uh, if you're a parent watching this show, um, it is the best thing that you can do for your children is to invest in their education at an HBCU. And if you want them to try a Harvard or a Yale, there's always grad school, there's always law school or later you will not be able to replace what they get at an HBC. Well, we're out of time, guys, but before we close the show, I want to take a minute to uh, let you guys know that we are very grateful to the success that you oh, all have man. achieved in your respective careers <laughs> and that we are uh, very grateful for your commitment to uh, advancing historically black colleges and universities. And for that, I'm awarding each one of you with the HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award. Thank you all so much for being on the show. I know you have hectic schedules. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. And remember, without you, there's no me.